Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. This is how you shall live. And it's important for us to remember, it's not something that we just do, but there are traits that we want to take on. Uh, More specifically, disposition, the character and the trait that we must and we want to possess. Something that the people of God and the followers of Jesus Christ should possess and portray. There are total eight Beatitudes found in chapter 5 at the beginning portion of the Sermon on the Mount. And today we hone into the sixth Beatitude today. And it's a good one. And it's a very important one. I mean, to see God, this is what every Christian longs for. All of our efforts, pursuits, All of our worship practices, our singing, praying, devoting ourselves unto God, essentially we can summarize that our efforts should be in that because we want to see God. And this desire to see God or to be able to see God, this isn't unique just for Christians. Seeing God arguably is the epitome of every faith journey. Doesn't this seem like a very important trait to have? I mean, to be able to see, to be able to perceive and understand, to be able to discern, and to be familiar with the ways of God, is it not your prayer? Is this not our desire as we live our lives? As we trek along the the different challenges and different courses of life, we want to be able to know that God is in us. We want to be able to discern the purpose and the design of God in our lives and for our lives. In fact, this is arguably the most important principle of the Christian life. The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And the key to be able to see God, the Bible conveys to us in the words of Jesus, he says, if you want to see God, your heart must be pure. Your heart must be pure. And here Jesus speaks of us seeing God. The Bible talks about God's people seeing God face to face. Think about this. The eternal God, the holy God, the one and only God. And for us to be able to see God. And I don't know about you, but my initial reaction in reading this passage was that, man, this seems really impossible Those that are pure in heart. That's the first impossibility. I I mean, I I read through the other uh, Beatitudes here. I mean, they all seem quite feasible to me. I'm not saying they're easy, but, but they're relatively within the realm of feasibility. Poor in spirit, I could get that. Those who are able to mourn. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's talking about effort here. So yeah, I I get that. It's attainable. Those that are meek, those that are merciful. But unlike seven other Beatitudes, when I read this portion, when when I come to the passage where it says, those that are pure in heart, I know that I'm not jumping out of my seat to agree or say with confidence that, God, I am pure in heart. God, when I look into my own self, when I assess the contents of my heart, I know that I am without any blame or blemish. I know that 
you are with me in thinking this way. It seems incredibly difficult. The purity of heart seems incredibly difficult. And the second portion of that is what? To be able to see God. It deals with another uh, rather uh, impossible task here. Moses once cried out in the book of Exodus. Moses actually demanded that he sees God. He says, God, show me your glory. Remember in Exodus chapter 3, when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush, Moses initially hid his face behind the burning bush, and then, and then he demanded, God, show me your glory. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, he cries, now show me your glory. And God's response to Moses' request of wanting to see God, this is what he says, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. That was God denying Moses very firmly, stating the fact that no man shall see God and be able to live. So here we are dealing with two very impossible tasks, being pure in heart and being able to see God. But it's interesting that Jesus himself, himself conveys the fact that those that are pure in heart is now able to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's amazing that he promises that both are attainable in him and through him. He makes these do possible. He's not just teasing us. He's not just, just you know, dangling this thing that's, you know, eluding uh, 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 us. He's actually revealing this new truth that through him, that the sinner can become pure in Christ. Impure and dirty, corrupt heart can be cleansed through him. And that through him that we are able to see God. While my first uh, reaction, my initial response or, or re, uh, a reflex is that this is impossible. But Jesus asserts the truth that it is indeed possible in him and through him. And if I fully grasp what he's saying, I know that I can be blessed. The Beatitudes right here, it, 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 it's a proclamation of blessed is he. In the Greek, original Greek language, it's, it's, a, it's an exclamation of the word makarios. It's, it, it, the, we translate it as blessed, but literally it means happy. Happy are those that are pure in heart, for they shall be able to see God. Meaning, it's, an, it's a shout of exuberance, meaning all of us, you and me, in Christ, through Christ, we're able to shout, happy are we as God cleanses our hearts. And through that, we're able to perceive and experience, experience God in a new way. So let me make it plain here. And I'm going to begin by saying that seeing God or encountering God is a matter of the heart. Turn to your neighbor and say this too. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. The Christian gospel places all of its primary emphasis on being rather than doing. Attitude rather than actions. Let me explain that in just a little bit. Meaning God prioritizes who we are before what we do. 
meaning our being precedes our doing. So, meaning a right action can be robbed of all of its spiritual benefit if done with the wrong motive in the heart. And God conveys this truth all throughout the scriptures, in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, and Jesus reinforces this very important truth of the kingdom, that our hearts precede any of the outward doings. And it's true that the gospel is mainly concerned about the heart, and it has always been about the heart. It is something beyond that is measured outwardly, but God reaches deeper into a person looking into, paying attention to something that is not easily seen. 1 Samuel verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7, let me read for us. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Now we see the appointment of the second king of Israel where God comes. Eventually now, David is going to be appointed and promoted to be the king. And it says, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Luke chapter 11, verse 39. Now Jesus is here invited to uh, eat with the Pharisees, and they noticed that Jesus did not wash his hands uh, prior to eating. Uh, in my household, that's something that you will be scolded for as well. Here, Jesus, upon partaking in this meal together with the Pharisees, the Pharisees noticed that Jesus not, did not wash his hands before eating. So they pointed out to him. In verse 39, this is Jesus' response to the Pharisee. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. You see, people were so concerned about the outward appearance, they neglected the matters of loving God and loving their neighbors. They cared so much about what was being assessed in the outwardly. They paid so much more attention to what was easily discernible in their eyes. They neglected the matters of the heart. Is this not the pitfall of Christianity today? Is this not the greatest problem that the Christian church faces today? We are so concerned about looking the part. We are so concerned about how we sound, how we, how we appear in the, in the outside, and we actually look, we actually lack being the part. We actually lack paying attention to the things that concern um, all of our hearts. We are more about the outward specs rather than the inward truth. We are more about others' perception of us rather than God's actual seeing of us, which concerns are our inner hearts. We are more careful to keep everything clean that is seen by others. We actually forget about the things that only God can see. And the Bible is clear, friends. 
It absolutely matters. Our heart's desires, the contents, the, desi- uh, 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 the contents of our hearts, they should absolutely be presented before God. We have to allow God to work in it. We have to allow God to reform, cleanse, and purify all of our hearts. Rooftop church, how about us? What are we doing? Do we just look good on the outside? And we don't want to be the church that just happens on Sundays, right? We want to be able to make sure the parts that are unseen, we want to allow God to come and transform, cleanse, and purify every part of it. So let me declare this to you as we go further into our text today. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The main thing is what? Is the heart. Notice here, Jesus does not say, blessed are the pure in mind. You see, faith is not just a matter of the mind. It's so much more than just a set of doctrines of information Faith is not intellectual data. It's absolutely true that faith does begin with information. But unless the information that process in our minds, unless the information that that truth drops uh, six inches deeper into our hearts, unless our hearts are touched by it, unless our hearts are uh, affected by the truth that we process, it really doesn't have much power. Faith begins with information, but it is not information. It's a matter of the heart. Matthew chapter 15, verse 9 says this, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. And Jesus recognizes that every origin, uh, the origin of every sin is what? It's nowhere other part, no other parts, but it's actually the heart. And Jesus points that out. So we have to absolutely pay attention to what is going on here, the things that are unseen. And what was Jesus' greatest indictment? What was the greatest, of, what did he consider the greatest offense? He says, my people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are so far away from me. And Jesus uh, invalidates that as true worship. Jesus nullifies that and dismisses that as being presented offering before God. You worship it. You worship me with your lips. You sound good. You play the part in the outward actions, but while your hearts are so far away from me. You see, it's about the heart. Jesus never commends anyone for being smart. Think about it. If you, if you read through the Gospels, never, never ever do we come across a story where Jesus affirms and actually commends, good job for having increased knowledge in the head. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that head knowledge is not what? It, it, it's not important. It's, it should be dismissive. I'm not saying don't be smart. Don't be unintelligent. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying don't stop there. Again, what you know in your head must drop deep into your heart. The Bible says be pure in heart. 
Marry the mind and the heart together. Jesus also does not say, blessed are the good. It's not about the outward deeds as, as well. Jesus affirms that be able to see God, it's not just you doing good things. It's not you and me being devoted into good deeds and actions. We often reduce loving God to do a to-do list. We often get confused and, and that we think loving God is, is formulating a list of all the, the, the commendable things, commendable actions, and for us to be able to faithfully adhere to good acts. And Jesus also dismisses one's soul devotion to good deeds. Remember in the story of Luke chapter 18 where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he asks a very important question, Rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this rich young ruler, lawyer, uh, boasts that I have kept every single law. All the charitable acts, I've been faithful in that. And Jesus, quite frankly, says none of, that thing, none of those things actually matter. And he was going after the heart of this rich young ruler. Our actions are important. Our behaviors matter, but they are absolutely not the primary concern for God. The main thing is, what is the condition of your heart? And the question that I want to ask to all of you this morning is that what is the condition of your heart? When was the last time that God had a clear view? When was the last time that you presented your heart clearly before the Lord? Arthur W. Pink once said that pure in heart is not sinlessness of life. Pure in heart is not sinlessness of life. Wow. Isn't that incredible? So do not reduce being pure in heart to being Blessed are the, uh, the pure in mind. Blessed are those that good, uh, to perform good deeds. But blessed are the pure in heart. It does not mean merely on the surface, but in the center of their being and the source of their every single activity. Now, we have talked about that it's really all about the heart. Now, let's go and deep Dig deeper into what it means to have a pure heart, or if it is possible, how we can attain pure heart. First point I want to make here is pure heart is a heart that is undivided. Pure heart is a heart that is undivided. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 declares this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy or good, your whole body will be full of light. The New King James Version renders it this way. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Pay attention to that word here. That thine eye be single. Thy whole body shall be full of light. The scriptures convey that if you are focused, 
if you're honed into having just singular focus, if your desires could be formulated into one, could be merged into one, the Bible tells us that that is considered a pure heart. A Soren Kierkegaard, a theologian and author, once said this, Purity of heart is to will one thing. Purity of heart is to will one thing. Now, based on that description, if I may reinterpret what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, I can read it this way. Blessed is the person who wills one thing from the heart. Blessed is a person who has a singular focus. Blessed are those whose, whose, whose heart is zoned onto, zoned into the things of God. For they shall see God. So the opposite of the pure heart is what? A divided heart. Meaning according to that description, impure heart is a divided heart. If, do you remember the story of Elijah when he's going against the 400 plus prophets of Baal? They literally have a showdown together and people are rebelling and worshiping Baal. Uh, they walk away from their faith in God. They're resorting to worshiping this idol. And finally, God had had it and God summons Elijah. As Elijah go and they have this literally a showdown, a, 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 fight, a fight night, uh, so to speak. And Elijah summons 400 prophets of Baal, 400 uh, prophets of Asherah. Massive showdown. At the, ver at the end of that showdown, verse 20 says, How long will you what, waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. You see, the opposite of the pure heart is a divided heart. And I want you to be able to assess your own heart today. If God were to measure the contents of what you have inside your heart, is your heart very divided? Is your heart divided in the way that you place your trust? Is your heart divided in the sense that there are different things that bring you pleasure, that bring you security and happiness? And I want to encourage you, today is the heart that you and I pray that God, make my heart singular focus, God. Make my heart so that it would desire and one thing, you and you alone. So the question today for all of us is that, that we must not live a divided life. We must not live in a sense that one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord the idea of riding this fence, the, the idea of playing the Christian life while our hearts are so scattered, so divided. We seek, uh, we, uh, we, we, we garner and then we get greater comfort from the things of the world than the things of God. Imagine with me, just picture this with me, riding the fence, one foot in the world and one foot in God. Does that, I mean, it sounds painful, does it not? It's unattainable. You cannot go the great length living your life this way. Not only do you not feel right, but you don't look right as well. And you can never, ever be blessed. You can never, ever be content in your heart 
if your heart is divided. So let me repeat Kierkegaard. Purity of heart is to will one thing. James 4.8 says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Psalm 86, verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Isn't it interesting? The writer of this psalm understood exactly what would keep him away from the presence of God. He understood that for him to be faithful in his faith in God is that his heart's contents must be united. So he prays that prayer. God, I want to be able to walk in your truth. God, in that, unite my heart. Allow my heart to will and desire just one thing, which is you. Amen, church? Now, the second point. What does it mean to have a pure heart? Second point is pure heart is a heart that is made clean. A pure heart is a heart that is made clean. We long for this, do we not? We need this, do we not? A clean heart, we long for that so much. Remember in Psalm 51, the psalm which King David wrote after having committed perhaps the most, uh, most uh, uh, um, hideous crime, uh, probably the only offense that he had against God. He, he committed adultery, and he cries out before God, Oh God, clean my heart. And that was his just a great desire, that God would come and cleanse and make his heart pure. So a clean heart is a heart without any defilement, a clean heart is filled with the holiness of God. A clean heart is a heart that portrays the character and nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. A clean heart can, in essence, a clean heart can only be attained through our faith in Jesus Christ, through the unity when we place our trust in him, that our hearts are made one in Christ as we are in Christ and Christ is in us, that our hearts can be made pure. And the ramification of the gospel in Jesus Christ is this, that we are justified. All of our sinful nature, all of our sinful acts that we present before God, the moment we place our trust in him, the Bible, uh, Bible tells us that our, we are justified. We are made right. And we have the chance to be pure. We have the chance to be presentable before our holy God. And as we place our trust in Jesus, God does not charge the Christians for their, for their sins. In Christ, we can faithfully declare, declare that our debt, the penalty of sin, has been made, uh, has been paid in full. 1 John verse 1, uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this: God is, if we confess our sins, God is faithful to uh, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. See, the forgiveness of our sins comes as we place our trust in Jesus Christ. 
and there's a cleansing that happens. There's a purifying process that takes place as we continue to declare that Jesus Christ is our Lord. And Jesus, in return, purifies and cleanses our hearts. In Christ, God washes our hearts. God purifies, God cleanses our hearts. And, and as I meditate on that particular verse, I have this image of, you know, we take showers every single day, right? Or, or I shouldn't assume most of us, we shower every single day, right? We are made clean every day, every morning, every night. And, you know, uh, justification happens once. Reconciliation in Christ happens once. We are reconciled unto God as we place our trust in God. But this cleansing takes place repeatedly over and over again. It's the presence of Christ allowing us to go through the process of being purified, being made holy. So justifying, forgiving, cleansing, it's just three strands that God is faithful to cleanse us. He has the ability to purify us and wash our lives. And Jesus' promise for all of us is that those that are pure in heart shall see God. Some of us, we desire to be able to see God in our lives. Some of you have been dying to discern exactly what is happening in your own life. Some of us have been desperately thirsting for God's presence to be more intimate in and for your life. Friends, can I urge you today, it begins as you and I commit to the life of having our hearts made pure through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. We so desire to seek God. We so desire to perceive God, discern God's ways and his purposes for us. May we not make the mistake of foregoing the necessary step of having our hearts made pure. Blessed are those that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. We will see God as he is. To see God in his nature, to see God in our circumstances, to see God in our difficulties and suffering, to see God in our needs, to see God among us, to see God at every turn of our lives, as that is our prayer so should be our prayer is that what? God, come, touch our hearts. God, take our hearts. We place them at your hands, God, and do whatever it is that you want to do so that we could be made pure. Let us ask God to cleanse us today. Let us ask God to unite our hearts today. If for whatever reason that your heart is impure,
Your heart is filled with desires and the things of the world. That your faith has been placed in the things and the material things of the world. Today we pray the prayer, God, our desire is to want and will you and you alone. Let us pray that today. And let us draw near to God. And when we do that, knowing that God will draw closer to us. As Luke chapter 15 conveys to us, when we take just one step towards the direction of our Heavenly Father, we know that our Heavenly Father will run a mile after us. So friends, would you pray with me as we close the sermon portion of today's service, as we pray with me, as we, as, would you earnestly desire with me, God, come into my heart. God, be present in my life. Let us pray. God, oftentimes, we find ourselves wanting you, desiring you, without the necessary portion of fully surrendering our hearts. God, we foolishly and selfishly demand your heart to move in and through our lives, Lord, without first conceding our hearts. We have fallen in love with your hands rather than knowing and discerning what belongs at the center of your heart. And God, today, we implore your heart. God, today, we pray that we may conform our ways to who you are. God, we seek not only your blessings, but, but our primary focus lies in that we want to be more and more like you. As we fix our gaze upon Jesus, the author and perfect of our faith, as we fall in love with the process of becoming more and more like you, Lord, we know that we will enjoy seeing you. We will enjoy discerning and understanding your purpose for all of our lives. So grant us the courage and the faith to surrender our, our hearts unto you. Yes, God, come. Come, Lord. God, we pray. God, we pray not just behavior modification. God, we don't want to just do the right things, Lord. God, we don't want to be skilled in playing the part, but God, what we are yearning is, God, our hearts to change. God, our constant cravings of the carnal flesh, God, we want th that to go away. God, we want our hearts and our minds to be married and married forever. God, we want to understand and fall in love with what you desire. Holy Spirit, we invite you and continue to work in us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Church, we will continue our worship unto God by giving offering unto Him. If you go to our website, the very far right tab, you will find the tab called Give. You can go there and give as the Holy Spirit uh, compels your heart. And as the Bible teaches us, out of the cheerfulness of our hearts, we give. And we give in faith. And I know that the season may be challenging. But let us continue to trust God that he will provide for us. And he is the one having full control of our lives. Amen.